Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. Well, good morning. I wish I could hear all of good mornings right now. Well, welcome to our first summer worship service live streaming. I'm glad you're joined our service today. You know, during the summertime, I try to do something special. Because in summertime, you usually go away, right? You go on a vacation, either go to north or the south, New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, or Cape Cod. That's why during the summertime, I try to do something special for you so that you can continue to stay on the Word of God. And as a first part of our series, actually, first part of our summer series, I hope that we're going to revisit the famous stories that is in the Old Testament. Okay? And we're going to take a look at those famous stories of the Old Testament slightly from different angle, so that we'll be able to find out the true, original, and real meaning that God had intended for the scriber and for us. And as the first sermon series, I'd like to talk about the story of Joseph. And I entitled the whole series, A Journey Through the Life of Joseph. Okay? Now, I have a question for you. How many of you actually know the story of Joseph? Just raise your hand. Okay, I can see you through this camera. How many of you are learning the story from your Sunday school, right? Well, many of you, if not most of you, that you know the story of Joseph. You know the lesson of this story. Especially if you went to Sunday school, you know the lesson, right? Oh, he was a good and faithful, moral, perfect man who conquered all these you know, trials and problems that he had, severing library, and also temptation that also behind of the prison and bar, he was able to conquer and overcome because of his faithfulness, because of his good and moral. Now, that is somewhat right lesson, but that's not exact lesson that we should learn. I'll say that that's not wrong lesson, but it's very weak lesson. Now, the problem is this. When we study the story of Joseph, knowing that, oh, he's a great man, he's a perfect man, you know, he knows this, he was a faithful, then what we ended up doing is, oh, because of that's so Joseph. You know, he's a faithful man, he's a special man, he's a God's blessed man, but I'm not. I'm just normal David. I'm just regular and ordinary. You know, ordinary David, I cannot like him. But through this sermon series, I want to encourage you, you can be like him. You can be as moral as he is. You can be as faithful as he is or he was. You can be as good and perfect as Joseph was. Because here's a lesson. The story of Joseph is not about him. It is not about how good, how perfect Joseph is. The story of Joseph is about our God. Amen. It is about the faithfulness of our God. And that's the lens that we are going to take a look at the story Starting from Genesis chapter 37 to the end of Genesis. So for the next five weeks, I hope that you will take time to read those chapters so that you are going to be in line with myself and Pastor Turn as we are to preach this passage. And today as we begin, I'd like to speak on specifically subject of God's faithfulness and His providential power. Then I entitled today's message, It's All Part of God's Plan. Would you touch your neighbor? Well, it's your family. 
puts your family and saying it's all part of God's plan. Now, how many of you want to go to vacation right now? You know, whoever I talk to, now I know, I, my hands is actually, both hands is up right now. I want to go away. You know, there's a secret place in New Hampshire, in, around White Junction area, where the Dartmouth College is. That's where my wife and myself go to just get myself and ourselves just relaxed and rejuvenated. And we couldn't go. I know many of you want to go either through Maine and Vermont or a Cape Cod by car or by plane. Oh, I missed going on a vacation by plane. And let me ask you a question. How many of you are afraid of flight? Like probably half hands is up. How many of you are actually terrified of flying? You know, I was usually fine until I had a tool incident for like 20 years of my life. You know, the first one is this. So I was working in Canada as a computer technician. And I had a one business trip that was scheduled to go to Victoria Island. You guys ever been there? Oh, it's such a one of the most beautiful, beautiful island. You know, I went there to set up the new computer college campus as a technician. So what I did is actually I took the seaplane. You guys ever took the seaplane? You know, it's take off and land on the ocean. Oh, it's so cool. It's a very small plane. Probably about the 20 people can be on board at the same time. So I was on board waiting to see the pilot's sign to take off. 10 minutes and 20 minutes and half an hour. Finally, the captain and pilot turned back to us because you can see each other, very small flight. And he told me, I'm sorry, but because of this technical and mechanical problems, we got some delays. Now we can take off. I was like, okay, you're saying that the plane that I'm on board right now, it's just about to take off. You're saying that this plane had a problem You're telling me to comfort me? Oh, you had no idea about an hour and a half of flight, perhaps an hour. I was just terrifying being on board that small plane. About four or five years ago, I had another incident. It was on my way from Seattle to Boston. You know, my grandparents are living in Vancouver. If you arrive, you don't actually take flight to cross the border, right? Because that's the most expensive way. What you do is you drive, I mean, you take a flight, domestic flight, to very close to the border, and you drive to across the border. That's what I did. So I took the flight from Boston to Seattle, rented a car, and drove there about two hours to cross that border. So after seeing my grandparents, and then I came back, it was on my way back from Seattle. I love that because it was very inexpensive. But one thing that I didn't like was the size of the plane again was only three loads and three loads, okay? It was not big because it was a domestic flight. It's not flying as high as international flight. You know what that means? That means so vulnerable to turbulences. And without a doubt, about a half an hour later, you know, I start seeing this, this plane is acting crazy, going up and down and up and down. It usually happens probably for a few seconds, a minute, but that time, it happens almost 10 minutes. I find myself just holding this, you know, handrail, just doing this sinner's prayer as if it's my last day on earth. You had no idea. And after 10 minutes, I saw that some other people are also praying like that. After that, this captain came on and he was saying some kind of in these lines. Sorry about that, folks. We went through some rough turbulences, but we are all okay now. 
if we approach it again, don't worry, it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. And at that, I was like, okay, does that supposed to be comforting me? It's all part of the plan. So it was okay. You know, one thing that I learned from those two incidents, that from the pilot's point of view, from the captain's point of view, everything was perfectly fine, right? But from my point of view, everything was in pure chaos. I thought I was about to end up on some kind of lost island. You know, I cannot help but wonder how many of us who are Christians live like that way. Where we believe, of course, that from God's point of view, everything is perfectly fine. But from our point of view, it's pure and complete chaos. I'm not sure about you, but every time I look around our community and our society, there seemed to be some new additional or some new national tragedy, some new injustice influenced by those race, and some new natural disaster, and some new moral failure. Even as a pastor, if I'm honest with you, I, when so much bad things are happening around us right now, you know, I often ask this question and wonder, where is God? Where is God? What is he doing through all of these problems that we are suffering? People I know, they're going through difficult times, financial crisis, health problems, you know, and also suffering from all different kinds of emotional problems, anxiety, depression, stress, and loneliness. As I was observing the time of that we are on right now, I figured that lows seem to be more common and highs in terms of our personal and spiritual life. But you know what? The most popular question as we're going through all of our difficult times is this. When we're going through some sufferings and also difficult times, the most popular question is this, where is God? What is he doing? Right? And I believe the most popular Christian answer to that is God is in control. And I know that's true. I don't doubt about it. But you know what I doubt about it? Is that God who is in control, who is an almighty, sovereign God, where is he as I'm going through all these trials? He doesn't seem to be with me. That's what I doubt sometimes. Throughout the story of Joseph, I want to give you some hope by showing you that not only God is sovereign over your situation, but also how His grace always meets you in your suffering. Now I know the answer of God's sovereignty or the answer of God's grace does not minimize your pain. But it surely gives you hope. It surely gives you purpose as you are suffering during those pains and very difficult times. So have that all in your mind. Let's get started our journey through the life of Joseph. Now, I think I, it's fair that I give you some background about Joseph. Probably it's been a while that you read Joseph. You know a little bit about it, little piece and piece and piece, but you don't really know the background. So let me just give you a little bit of background. Now, Joseph is a great-grandson of Abraham, right? That's the father of faith. The son of Abraham is Isaac. 
The son of Isaac is Jacob and Esau. Now, Jacob had two wives and also two concubines, Leah and Rachel, the concubines, and Bilhar, Bilhar and Zilpha. Among those four wives or concubines, you know, Jacob had 12 sons. Many of you know that eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. The whole point of the Joseph story is to show you that all things God, that God is in complete control of Joseph's life. You know, the whole story of Joseph is God working all things together for his good purpose. Right? This is not the story about success of Joseph, but as I said, this is a story of the faithfulness of our God. If you ask me about summarizing this whole Joseph story, I can probably refer to the, the polls. You know, book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. I know it's on the screen, so let's read it all together. Romans 8, 28. If you're here, you can just listen to me. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Isn't that so true? If you ask me to summarize the whole life story about Joseph, this is it. God works for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. So let's get started. The story of Joseph especially the beginning of the story of Joseph, as we are reading some passages in the chapter 37, I hope that you'll be able to read this passage in light of this question. The question is this. You see on the screen. What would it look like for you to live your life with the assurance of knowing that everything that happens to you is all part of God's plan? That's it. God is always with you, that God is always in control. With that question in your mind, let's dive in to start reading a few verses in this chapter, chapter 37. Now, chapter 37, verses 1 through 2. Jacob, that's Joseph's dad, lived in the land of fathers sojourning in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph, being 17 years old was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, more of concubines. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now, many of you think of Joseph, you know, and Joseph's been always praised and hailed as his perfect moral character. But you'll be able to see there are a few you know, flaws and problems that Joseph's dealing with that telling us that Joseph is not perfect. The first one, we've already read it here. Then Joseph brought a bad report to, of them to their father Jacob. You see that? Joseph is gossiper. All right? Joseph is tattletale. You know, he has no problem to reporting all these bad things of his brother to his father. Now, let's keep on reading verse 3 and 4. Now Israel, that is a new name of his father, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. Now, not only he was a gospel or a tattletale, he was also daddy's boy, right? And he made him a rope of many colors 
is the only one who was given this robe, frayed the beautiful robe of many colors or ornate robe, the other version of the Bible says. This is what every son really wants from his dad. In verse 4, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Joseph got the coat which all his brothers wanted. This coat meant for the oldest. You know that? He was the 11th of 12, and he was the one who got this coat. This coat also signifies his status, which meant no manual labor, not much so, but also more of a life of tempering. Now you get it why his brother is really disliking him, right? It's not like that they're bad. No, it was actually Joseph and his situation made them disliking Joseph. Now, really this make matters worse, following verse 5 through 11, which you're not going to read. And you know this famous story about Joseph's dream. Okay? Two different dreams. A dream about sheaves. And then dreams about the sun, moon, and stars. What does message about the dream is very simple. Now, Joseph had the sheaves standing, and then around 11 sheaves that's representing his brothers pretty much bow down on him. And then the second day, he dreamed another one. Now, it's not only brothers, including sun and moon. That, that means including his parents. So literally, everybody surrounding Joseph and bow down on him and praise him and hail him. I can probably picture this. This probably was what could have happened. Now, Joseph woke up with this great dreams, excited. He went to his brothers, saying, Brothers, brothers, just listen to me. I know you don't like me, but here's a great dream that I want to share with you. You know what? In the dream, I was standing. A sheep, I was standing like a great figure that you guys are surrounding me and bow down to me. Is that some kind of this, the person's wisdom in there? Can you see the immature? Or there's no wisdom. I mean, he shouldn't have said that to his brothers. Also, he's not really having this socially aware. You see that? My point is this. Joseph is not the Sunday school's lesson. Oh, he's a perfect. He's good. You know, he's always faithful. He's moral. No. He had his flaws. He had his problems. He has his limits. He probably is like us. One with problems. One with flaws. You know, all the very men, you and I. That is Joseph. Got that? And I'm Grateful to, as I was reading this story, God was using someone like him to be able to be truly churning and build up the history of Israel. Let's continue on reading. Now, the story goes on when Joseph's brothers, they are working down in Dothan. And Jacob sent Joseph to see what they are doing. Verse 18 through 20s. Let's read them all together. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes a dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, that's Pete, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of this, his dreamer. I mean, can you believe this story right now? I mean, can you believe this? I mean, my brother and myself are a year and a half apart. 
We're getting bump each other. We're getting into each other every single day. You know, there's not even one day as we are younger, you know, there's not even one day we just passed without having a fight. There was no reason. We just bump each other. We just have this eye contact and the next second we're just fighting each other. Even the relationship that I had with my brother, I'd never plotted to kill him. Right? Look at here. The story of Joseph here. You've got some Jerry Springer show level of dysfunctional family. Are you with me? That's the family that God was using. That's the family that God appointed him to build and to lead the legacy of the, the history. And I'm encouraged. You know, at least my family is not like that. And God cares for anyone. God can use for anyone. Now, last piece of our verse for our chapter, then we'll get in deeper. Verse 23 and 24. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe. The ornate robe, this colorful robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. I mean, this is what one might call having a bad day. Can you agree? I mean, this is, this is definitely someone's really having this worst day ever in his life. And part of what happens to Joseph is that he's stripped off of his coat. Okay? Brother is just stripped off his coat and threw him into the pit. This is not just getting mugged in downtown and someone stealing your coal and expensive jacket. No, this is Joseph's getting metaphorically stripped of his status. We learned the importance of that, you know, the, 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 the coat, right? He is stripped of the very thing that made him him. Got that? It's the very thing that made him special and important. And he is stripped of the very thing that solidifies his identity. And of course, his brothers, they didn't like to see him wearing that coat because that really solidified his identity and status. Oh, he's better than me. He's higher than me. Can you imagine the first sons looking at the 11th wearing that nice and ornate coat while they're wearing the smelly shepherd, you know, the clothing and going on in the field and sh- you know, shepherding those sheep. That really gave me to think about this. Has this ever happened to you? Has this ever happened to your life? Have you ever been stripped of the very thing that made you, you? Has someone ever taken your coat? I can probably throw you a couple of examples here. The first one is this. You probably have invested so much in your marriage until it was shattered by your spouse's unfaithfulness. Leaving you feeling confused and alone. Feels like your spouse stripped your coat. How about all these finances? And in your company, you work so hard. You put your life on it. That company, your lifetime, your energy, everything to come that far. And all of a sudden, you got this notice of if laid off because of the things that you didn't do. Can you imagine this anger, this feeling of this despair and disappointment? And I believe that company stripped your coat. Think about this in terms of your children. 
You spend day after day raising a child in a way that they should be and supposed to be going. Then as they grew up, they start rebelling and they decide to take the wrong path and result in making you feeling that you are a failed father or failed mother. Your child stripped your coat. Ever into that circumstance? But brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Whatever had caused you to strip your coat, whatever that caused you to strip your coat, your circumstances, that you really put your value on it, that you think that is your status, that is not your end of the story. That is not end of the story. As we can see here in Joseph's story, even though he was stripped of this coat that represented and solidified his identity and his status, that's not the end of the story. Now, I want to give you one lesson out of this 37th chapter, and one and the only lesson. The lesson is this. Your coat, whatever that solidifies your identity and your status, that does not Define your calling. Amen? Your call, whatever that status that solidifies your identity, that does not define your purpose and your calling that is in God. If your entire calling is wrapped up in your proverbial code, then when it's stripped from you, your entire life, you feel like you're failing, falling apart. You know, when the children leaves. And when your finances got crushed and your relationship crumbles. But I wanted to let you know your identity, your status, who you are can never come from anything other than our Lord Jesus Christ. If God allows you to be stripped of this some type of code, your circumstance, then he has a great purpose for it. Even though that you won't be able to understand right now. God has a reason and purpose for it, and your story is not end. Now, we'll see this over and over in Joseph's life. He obtained status, receiving this code that represents his status, and then he's unjustly stripped of both his status and clothes and code. But throughout all this, the reason that Joseph was able to be overcome and have a victory over it is not because he fixed eyes on those codes or statuses. Because he fixed his eyes upon our God who is in control of his story. Who is in control of his past, present, and future. And if Joseph had chosen to focus only on what had been taken from him, sure, he could never have been used so mightily by God. So brothers and sisters, don't get so focused on what God has taken from you. Instead, make sure that you put your eyes upon God, that God wants for you and wants to do through you. In the middle of the suffering, I know this is very difficult. It's very difficult to not to focus on what we've been missing the code that being stripped off from you. But just because your status is gone, that doesn't mean your purpose is. Just because your code is gone, that doesn't mean your calling is that is in God. 
Your cult may be gone, but God's calling is still in your life to move forward with a purpose. And he's still using you in a greater way than you could ever imagine in your life. Get this, brothers and sisters. When you understand the security and power that you have in God's hands, then nothing can derail you from your destiny or from your purpose. Life may detour you. Get that? But nothing can derail from God's plan and calling that is on your life. So make sure to not to cling to your code. When life strips your code, when life strips your identity and your status, and you respond by saying this, that's fine. It's all part of God's plan. And God is in control. And my story is not over yet. In regards to that, I have a very famous quote written by Paul Miller from his book, A Praying Life. One of the most famous Christian author. He says this and that I quote, Often when you think everything has gone wrong, it's just that you are in the middle of a story. Isn't that encouraging? Even though everything seems to be going exactly opposite way of your planning, I want you to know that you are still in the midst of the plan. God's mighty and amazing and sovereign plan. So I want to ask you to touch your family. says this, God has not done with you. Please do that. God has not done with you. Just because you are going through a frosting time, that doesn't mean that God is not using you. He can and He will use you in whatever season of your life that you are in. Whether you have your coat or you have not your coat. Because it's all part of God's plan. You know, after this, Joseph being sold into slavery. And that was just a beginning of the story. And you know what? That also was just beginning of the story that is to accomplish God's plan. Because he was sold to Egypt. You know the story, right? And he was able to support and bring the, his own people, Israel people, those who are just suffering and almost die because of pain, drought, severe pain. They were able to all move into the nation and land of Egypt, right? And not only that, God didn't just finish there. The God also took them out of Egypt, led by the spiritual leader, another leader of Moses, until they enter into the promised land. You know how I know that? Because I read through the end of the story. That's our God. God knows to the beginning, to the end of the story. You know who does not know what's happening right now? That's a Joseph here. Because he is in the middle of the story. Like I said, as you are going through all these trials, you may not know, you may not understand why, because you are in the middle of the story. But the great author that is our God, author of our life, he knows where we are. He knows where we are heading. He knows what we can accomplish through these trials. God may have allowed you Perhaps be stripped of your cult, but he was willing to fulfill his call upon the trials. Remember this as we begin this story. You got that why God is the main character? You can see all God's touching and God's providence and God's guidance and God's faithfulness every single step of Joseph's life. 
Joseph himself is not a perfect man. You know, he was not even close to be good. He's just regular and ordinary man like you and me. But when God intervenes, when God intervenes and guides his life, even though he was going through temptations that we're going to see next week, even though that we are seeing that he was behind of the bars and really not knowing whether or not his life will continue or end there, but I think the one thing that Joseph did right was to understand that God is in charge. God is in control, and it's all part of God's plan. Brothers and sisters, I'd like to end the story here and my sermon. Many of you are struggling right now Because you may not know why God calls you or why you are in the midst of these trials. Perhaps it's with the suffering. Perhaps with all these tensions between your marriage, your kids. Perhaps you are getting this financial crisis right now. But I want to ask you to be encouraged. I want to ask you to be having this great assurance that God is in charge. God is in charge of your life. And your story is not over yet. Still going on. The great news is your story has been already written by our God. That is to fulfill His good and perfect wills. As we know that, the same way Joseph did, who's not even close to be perfect, so it's one thing that he knew as I know God is with me, God is in charge, so I can do this. Just kind of rely upon God to see how God is going to lead me. God is going to guide me. We need that. We need that right now. If you are preparing to reopening your business, reopening your school, reopening everything or going back to your work right now, you're wondering, you're worrying about it, don't worry about it because of all God's plan. God has a perfect plan in your life. If you're struggling because of your health right now, someone you're questioning, Lord, why me? Why you allow? Why you strip my cold? Through these physical trials, be encouraged, be patient, be faithful. Because God is in charge and your life story is not over. It's all good because it's all part of God's plan. May God bless you. Let's pray. Our Father God, Lord, our hearts are lifted today, Lord. Because the fact that you are who is the author of our life, who knows what is best, who is continuously guiding us and leading us to fulfill your amazing and perfect will that you are in charge, Lord. And everything, what we are going through right now, regardless of its ups and downs and good and bad, we know it's all part of your plan. And even though that you didn't do that, and even though it's sin, even though it's Satan, whatever that calls it, God, that you use everything for good of you to fulfill your perfect purpose and your goal. So we, as a servant of God, we as children of you, Lord, humbly seeking your will and your guidance this very difficult time, may we find comfort and peace from your presence. May we even find your providence and your guidance and your plan purpose of each one of our lives as we continue to depend our life upon you, Lord, trusting you, Lord, that you are final author and you are in charge of our life. We pray for all. Now the only Savior Jesus Christ's name. Last people said.